Nuclear proliferation. Global pandemic. Famine. Environmental genocide. War. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham, and L. Bradley Sheaf. Well, Brad, there it is. We didn't start the fire. Billy Aloysius Joel, I think the year was uh, 1987 or thereabouts. Uh, one of the anthems from that generation, my friend, a lost generation but a generation nonetheless you know the song is genius great lyrics ties a whole bunch of stuff together there in a, in a poetic way as as uh, mr joel has a tendency to do and i think if given the opportunity to write a second version of that song for the current period of time in which we find ourselves he would have no trouble doing it because it seems the fire is continuing to burn some would say out of control others wouldn't um, but burning nonetheless Burning nonetheless, and it seems like that type of song is what we need to reconcile where we are in this crazy world, my friend. Crazy world. Well, yeah, I, I don't disagree with that, although fortunately you and I are, are we know where we are. We're on the podcast, my friend, IP Frigurly. Here we are. You and Number one, the number one business podcast in America, the uh, number one uh, international and global podcast. Um, and I, I, I believe that uh, Richard Branson was even listening to the podcast as he jetted off to the edge of uh, space the other day. So very exciting that he took us into new, um, undiscovered parts of the universe, other than all the other people that went before him. And um, I mean, that, that was incredibly exciting. But even more exciting than that is that you and I are here once again, live studio audience. Everyone is excited. People have patents. Uh, for you to sign. I've seen some 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 braless women um, having their uh, t-shirts signed by you. I've seen uh, men with writs of habeas corpus having those signed by you. Not that that's effective, but it is nice. Uh, so really, uh, really excited to be back and excited at the uh, success we've had and, and really looking forward to our launch on the old uh, cable radio network in a couple of weeks where you and I, my friend, are going to launch ourselves into radio history. Uh, yeah, history of some sort, I'm sure. We'll just have to find out. And, uh, you know, I appreciate the idea of Branson bringing the podcast with him to the very edge of space, sort of where he could peek around the corner and say, hey, that, hey, that looks like space over there. I'm not sure he did that, but if he did, I'm sure he's glad he did. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he is. And that would be a segment on a show 
that uh, where there were a little less uh, has happened, but in this case, too much has happened. Uh, we really can't cover the billionaires in space angle, although much like pigs in space and the old Muppet show, my friend, uh, uh, really wish them the best. But if it doesn't uh, turn out that way, that's fine, too. Yeah, I, I don't know that there's a lot of difference between billionaires in space and pigs in space. Yeah, I mean, the pigs seem to do a little bit a little bit better, a little more little more successful, but here we are. And I should say that um, Brad and I have talked and considered it, and we do uh, apologize to the lobster community out there. I think some of the things we said last week were hurtful. Um, they weren't intended to be. I mean, it was all in good fun. But again, we understand why, why we've uh, apparently uh, alienated an entire uh, generation of crustaceans. And Brad, I don't know about you, but I, I am really sorry about that. Just makes me hungry. Yeah, actually, a good lobster roll right now. Yeah, would be, oh, uh, come on, you kidding delightful, me? Delightful, delightful. Oh. But again, that's where uh, this went off the rails last week. So, do you want to you want to just dive right in? I don't see why not. First, the RIP report, where we take a look at some of uh, the uh, leading lights of the last several decades as they pass from this world and off into um, another. Okay. I mean, it's kind of a morose way to start, but uh, well, I guess I mean, we can just get it out of the way. We'll get it out of the way. We'll just start uh, at the top. Edwin Edwards, the great governor of Louisiana, 93 years young. I believe he did up to 10 years in prison for uh, various corruption-related uh, charges over the years. Um, and I think he went to jail, then he came back, and he ran in a runoff against the, uh, the Ku Klux Klansmen. Uh, David Duke, and uh, he beat him. And then he went to jail again for selling, uh, I, th I think he sold licenses to run riverboat casinos uh, while he was governor and took the took the cash and, and, and threw it in the corner with the my pillows. But uh, big loss, I guess, for the state of Louisiana and the South and, uh, and really the whole country. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously a larger than life figure, sort of uh, you know, almost what you think about, you know, like in a movie or cartoon, American politician, you're a governor, you do some time in federal prison, you come yeah. back, kind of reminds me of Marion Barry, yeah. the uh, former mayor of Washington, D.C., who did some time in prison for dealing cocaine and then came back and not surprisingly was reelected by the good people of, of the District of Columbia to be their mayor again which allowed them to sell T-shirts on the street that said, Mary and Barry, a mayor with conviction, mm -hmm. which I liked. And it was true, 100%. 100% true. So, yeah, uh, so, uh, yeah, RIP Edwin Edwards. Going to be missed. He One little uh, caveat here that I think I know uh, hits close to home with you, but he was uh, taking those bribes in his the later, I should distinguish the bribes for the riverboats from one, Edward DeBartolo Jr. and he was the reason that your ah, boy uh, right. had to um, had to basically step back from active yeah, role with the Forty uh, Niners. Uh, yeah, Forty Niners. Yeah, absolutely. So, so he basically took down the uh, the dynasty, and then you ended up with his son-in-law. Sucks. Yeah, it still sucks. Going to suck. Not a lot of unsuck in the future. It is what it is, my friend. But that's a different podcast. That is a different podcast, but hey, look, he had a good hot run. 93 is not bad. And eight of them, even when you deduct the eight in prison, it's still 85. Yeah. You know, he had 85 years as a free man, 93 years total. Yeah. Uh, not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll move on. Uh, I know uh, you were sad and uh, heartbroken this week to learn that uh, Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff, 
uh, passed away at the age of 71, one of the icons of wrestling, one of the headliners of the first uh, the WrestleMania and, uh, and, and really one of the, one of the superstars you and I grew up with. I think you said you did have a Paul Orndorff doll, if I'm not bobblehead. mistaken. Bobblehead. Yeah. Bobblehead. Yeah. Another uh, Virginia boy. I myself was born in Virginia as was Mr. Wonderful. And uh, you know, for those of us that uh, grew up watching a little wrestling, I didn't watch as much of it as you did. You have more of a, of an expertise in that area than I do, but I mean, this is one of the guys you remember. Oh yeah, one of the greats. I mean, I mean, sculpted, uh, worked out a lot. Uh, had had a bitter taste in his mouth for the uh, the great Hulk Hogan, uh, and uh, also quit wrestling for a time to run a probably not alley. as bitter as the Iron Sheik, though I wouldn't think the Iron Sheik did, did, does does not to this day like the Hulk Hogan. No, yeah. no, not a bit. Not not one bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, buddy, you and I are obviously uh, getting along in years as our heroes, sporting, musical, political, etc., are all uh, breaking on through to the other side, as we say. Uh, let's see where we go from here. News reel. Remember last sure. time we, we talked about the uh, assassination of the Haitian president, uh, Jean Bertrand Aristide, or Aristide. someone like like that. Uh, yeah, and uh, now it comes. Now, listen, listen, not the point, right? The point is a little bit broader. Whoever was running Haiti got killed. Yes. That guy, that guy, yeah. that guy. As George W. Bush said when asked who was running uh, Pakistan back in 2000, he said that general guy, and he was asked what the uh, the guy's name was, and he said, well, I call him general. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Good stuff. But uh, it, it come to find out last week, you and I were talking about uh, who uh, assassinated the, um, the the leader of Haiti, and obviously Haiti is now in, in, in tumult and you know, civil war and all that stuff. But it turns out, as I said, that the U.S. did have a role in it. The U.S. military trained the Colombians implicated in the Haitian assassination plot. That was confirmed by the uh, uh, by the uh, Pentagon. Now they did say, "Hey, look, we train a lot of Colombians." Uh, they sure. did say that, yeah. um, but it's a. Um, you now know, we talking did, about the country or the district, since you know we were talking about Marion Barry a minute ago. I think the, the country is much safer than the district. Well, that's certainly true. But were the Colombians that we're talking about from the country of Colombia or the district of Colombia? Yeah, I believe it was the uh, country. Yeah, that that is probably true. Although, again. You know, you can find some violent folks in the district as well. So good. So, I mean, at least, you know, I mean, somebody's probably patting themselves on the back. I mean, you train people to be killers and it turns out they're effective at that. Well, then, you know, you've accomplished your training goal there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they took him out, right? Yeah. They got caught. My understanding is he's dead. Yeah. So, you know, but again, I mean, if you go to the people that train the Colombians, they're going to tell you, well, look, we didn't train them to get away. We just trained them to kill people. And that's what they did. So yeah, and, then, and again, they train many Colombians, mm-hmm. the U.S. military, and, yeah. and what are you going to do? You have to, as the great uh, Antonin Scalia once said, you have to crack a few eggs to make an omelet. That's true. That's also true. You know, it's, it's weird. They can't get a few of those Colombians into Cuba. I mean, now that Cuba is in uh, um, you know, the riots in the streets of Cuba over the um, autocratic re- regime down there, you're telling me they can't get a few. U.S.-backed Colombians well, in there. I mean, hold on a minute there, pal. I mean, my understanding is that there's been a number of organizations in this country that have 
sent out tweets or posted on their Insta face or whatever the case may be that they're, you know, they're in support of the Cuban government. We like, we like those guys. I, I don't pretend to be able to follow the politics of that. Um, but I did see a headline where apparently the official black lives matter Twitter sent out a tweet that was causing a hubbub because they were siding with the government of, of Cuba. I, I, how that makes any sense. I don't know, but, uh, you know, we may not want to send the Colombians in there quite yet until we've decided, you know, here at home, how we feel about the whole thing. That's true. That's true. If we did send them in, we could send them in through the Bay of Pigs, but that's probably getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, you're right. Black Lives Matter. They're they're, they're supporting the Cuban government. Um, the Biden administration has said that don't, uh, if you're Cuban uh, dissidents or if you're trying to get away from persecution, uh, don't uh, come to America or you will be sent back to Cuba, which is a little ironic, I guess, given what's going on on our southern border. But uh, hey, I mean, they are not going to uh, the southern border. Well, if they show up at the southern border, they'll probably still be sent back to Cuba. I think the concern is that a lot of the Cuban people will probably vote Republican. Hmm. I don't know why that would be a concern per se. I mean, don't we want people to vote their conscience? Maybe not. I don't think so. Maybe that's just an old fashioned notion that I still cling to. Well, you know, voting is at the top of uh, everyone's list. I mean, we've had the issues with the uh, new bill, the, the voter suppression bill in Georgia, where the Georgian um, legislature and governor approved a bill that would require people to actually show an ID when they go to vote. Um, well, they, they didn't actually call it the voter suppression bill, though, right? No, I'm, I'm characterizing it as such. I mean, my God, it's it's it's, it's, it's I mean, look. Talk about like a Jim Crow law. I mean, requiring ID, and then and then Kamala Harris this week was right on right on the money, my friend, when she said in some cases people would have to photocopy the ID, and there there aren't kinkos out in the middle of rural America, and this adversely impacts and targets targets poor um, minorities who don't have um, a photocopier or a phone to take a photo of it. Yeah, well, I don't. If you have it, right, because, again, sometimes my logic, you know, doesn't I don't always get it right. But you you so you correct me here, buddy. In order to make a photocopy of something, let's call that something in this case, an, an ID, you have to have that something. Right. Because if you don't have it, you can't copy it. So if you have it and it is all you need in order to go and vote. Why would you have to photocopy it? And even if you did have to, for some crazy reason, have it and have a photocopy of it, how is that preventing you from voting? Why would you need both? I mean, I guess I just, I'm not. Here's the problem, right? We cannot ask people to carry an ID. Right. I mean, the next thing you know, these people are going to say you have to carry something. Oh, I don't know, like a, a vaccine passport, a proof of vaccine. I mean, yeah, we, we can't put that. this kind of we can't put this kind of burden on these people. I mean, are you nuts? Oh, so the idea is I don't want to carry my ID. So instead, I'll carry a photocopy of my ID. Correct. Or when you submit your absentee ballot, uh-huh. you'll submit it with a form of ID, like a photocopy of your ID. Ah, and that. Is, burdensome. 
yeah, odious and burdensome. Yeah. I would say, and look, go so and, far as to say odious and burdensome. And that's why the Democrats, right, mm-hmm. wanting to advance the uh, that legislation, uh, the, the 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 elections bill that they've got up there, that mm-hmm. says no state can require <laughs> an ID to vote. Um, that's why they're so upset when the Republicans take anti-democratic steps to thwart legislation like the filibuster. That's why they are upset about that, right? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't, you need an ID for a lot of things in this country, frankly. I mean, you know, starting with buying beer and moving up from there. And most people carry an ID for those reasons, right? So I, I, I and, and, you know, we do, I, I would think, again, I, some of these are old-fashioned notions. I, I'm probably being anachronistic here. But wouldn't you want to be sure that certainly every eligible voter got the opportunity to vote, but only once and only if they were eligible? I mean, wouldn't we want our elections to be fair? Why? Again, that's an old-fashioned notion. I yeah, why? That's crazy. That's crazy. And the filibuster is anti-democratic, needs to go. And I tell you what, I, I support the um, two dozen or so Democrats in the state of Texas who, in light of a bill that would require voter ID in Texas that was supported by 80% of the legislature, it's supported by 75 80% of the people, they got on private planes, they left the state of Texas denying the, st- the Texas State House a quorum Mm. so that they could thwart that bill. Genius. Yeah. But think about the carbon footprint. They all got on private planes. Oh yeah. And of course they had to show IDs to get on those planes. Well, of course it did. It's interesting. You know, burned a a lot of dinosaurs punching holes in the sky there. And and I'm going to go out on the limb here and say that at the end of the day, it was all just nonsense because they're going to figure out a way to vote on, on that bill that, the vast majority of the people of Texas want to see passed and it's going to happen. And all that these morons will do is flag wave about it. I think that's right. But listen, there are a lot of people out there talking about how brave they are, right. For taking this stand and getting on those private jets and going to Washington, DC, they sang, uh, we shall overcome on the steps of the U S Capitol. Um, some of them had to eat, uh, airport food. Um, and look, who knows when they're going to be back to Texas, but I assume when they do, the governor is going to have them arrested and brought to the House chamber so that a quorum will um, be present and they can pass this bill. We can't dwell on this because you and I have miles to go today before we sleep next. The woke will put um, Brad uh, Sacagawea. Can you spell it? No, 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 no. You don't have to. Not yet. Uh, as you know, the town of um, Charlottesville, Virginia, Uh, just took down some Confederate statues that were very um, controversial. They have now taken down the statue of Lewis and Clark in Sacagawea. Um, They have uh, answered the uh, woke uh, mob. It took about 20 minutes uh, notice for the uh, town council to get together and uh, vote to take it down. One of them said, I feel that it should just be melted down. It's offensive to have uh, Sacagawea standing behind Lewis and Clark. And the whole thing is she's sort of guiding them uh, out uh, to the uh, wild uh, uh, Louisiana territory. Listen, that's not the point. That's what she did. It should be melted down. Why? What's, I mean. Well, she's crouched a little bit and historians have said that her posture shows her tracking 
right? Um, Which she did. Lewis and Clark don't make it if without Sacagawea. We don't explore the what? What, what is wrong? I'm missing it. Well, listen. Is there listen. some? I mean, is, 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 is this? Is it racist to go exploring? I think their their position was because she's tracking and she's like looking at the ground. She is bent over and she looks like she's in a subservient position to Lewis and Clark, even though she's at their side and she's sort of yeah looking out. And she's at their side, demonstrating a necessary skill, which Lewis and Clark would not have survived without. Correct. There are a few people who you could say were more courageous in doing what they did than Sacagawea, for Pete's sake. Well, no one will know about it now because they took down the statue. We're so going to regret the- this one day. Well, probably not. We're going to, in fact, what's actually going to happen is we're going to be taken over by a culture that actually understands history and the importance of it. And by the time they get here, we'll, we'll have taken down all of our statues. We won't remember who we are or why. And we'll just, you know, sort of surrender and become France. Yeah. Well, look, look that's, um, the, the, this is where we are now. We just need to, we just need to take this down. And, uh, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll all sort itself out. People just won't learn about this. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, God forbid. We wouldn't want anyone to learn about Sacagawea, a heroic indigenous woman. I mean, heaven forbid that we should, you know, allow that to continue. I don't get it. I, I'm, I'm trying very hard to get, like, on board with the woke thing. And I thought for sure that the promotion of an indigenous woman who is unquestionably a hero would be a way that you could get on board with that. But I, I, there must have been a memo that came out that I missed. Well, listen, okay. I think some of it is you're just an older gentleman who can't relate to uh, the younger, um, the younger crowd, and especially some of the people that have studied in the last ten or fifteen years. Now, I'll give you another example here. We have another catastrophe going on in our seas. Um, marine experts in uh, the U.S. and abroad are uh, making a request that the public stop using the word attack in reference to sharks. They say that, and I quote here, the um, predatory fish has been unfairly stigmatized as a deliberate killer. Uh, instead, Brad, instead of saying a shark attack, right, instead of saying shark attack, these uh, scientists have suggested that um, violent run-ins with sharks be dubbed more neutral words, such as quote-unquote interactions. And again, this is, this is more of the um, folks who are studying the science, right, and who are uh, focused on a lot of the negative things that you and I used to focus on, Steven Spielberg, in the movie Jaws, and Jaws 2, and Jaws 3, and Jaws 4, although by then I think Spielberg was gone. Um, but this is another mistake you and I make, and we probably have to add it to our company training list. Shark attack is inappropriate. We'll call it a shark encounter. What about just like dance with a shark? Can we just, can we, could we refer to it as a dance? Because, you know, when the shark gets his three rows of teeth, into your flesh and starts to flail around. It looks a little bit, you know, like from afar, if you squint, like they could be dancing. Well, listen, it, th- this is a professor um, at the University of Sydney, Christopher Pepin Neff, and that is hyphenated, um, said in the, as part of this whole um, 
uh, campaign, a shark attack is a lie. Um, he said a majority of what people call quote unquote attacks are merely nips and, and, my, and minor injuries from smaller sharks. Yeah, he suggested- not, Has this asshole, and I use that <laughs> word very deliberately, ever had a, a minor encounter with a shark? Has he ever himself been nipped by a multi-hundred pound, three row of teeth having fish? And if so, he should shut up. If not, if he has not, he should shut up. If he has, then I guess he can characterize his encounter any way he wants. But he is an idiot. That person is an idiot. Yeah, well, he also says that to describe the interactions with sharks more accurately helps improve the public's understanding of sharks and how they behave. He also said that instead, if you don't like interactions, you could also use the terms negative encounter or incident. A shark incident. Yeah. Yeah. Again, asshole. Professor Nathan Hart at Marquette University said sharks don't have hands. So if they want to explore something, they mouth it. All right. Uh, very rarely are humans consumed by sharks. That's a quote. So there you go. Dogs mouth things, right? My dog does that. My dog will come up and affectionately put your hand in its mouth. But guess what it doesn't do, David? Guess. Attack? Yes, it doesn't attack. It doesn't clamp down and literally rip portions of your body away from the remainder of your body. It doesn't do that. You know why? Because it is mouthing. That is different than clamping down on your thigh and the next thing you know, your leg is gone. Most people who are not a moron would characterize any activity that results in you losing your leg through the conscious actions of another thing as being an attack. And apparently the only people who wouldn't are those that are, have PhDs in something having to do with fish. Well, listen, I think uh, tomato, tomato, uh, as far as I'm concerned, but if it makes the sharks feel better, I don't know why we would avoid it. Well, that's true. I mean, in, in fairness, I had not been accounting for the feelings of the sharks. Uh, next, Brad, we're going to, so this week we have a special treat for everyone uh, at the end of the program. Uh, so we are going to be taking a one week hiatus uh, from the Venera Chronicles. Oh Again, well, but listen, we're on number 13. I've confirmed and I can confirm for everyone that uh, there is a Venera 13. Oh, um, number 13. Outstanding. But we'll, we'll find out about that next week. Maybe that'll be the tent pole of our uh, discussion next week. Um, I also want to get into PETA and the fact that they are discouraging people from calling other people chickens or pigs because of the offense to the animals. We'll talk about that next week. And you can see the offense written all over the chickens and pigs' faces. Exactly. You look closely. Exactly. Uh, but we have to, before we get to our special uh, segment today, which is um, um, being sponsored by PD, the Automation of Innovation, uh, handling all of your uh, patent analytics uh, needs since 2019. Um, Barter Band, Brad, this week, Kanata, the Great White North. They're mm -hmm. opening their border, um, but they're also really focusing in on what's important when it comes to the curriculum of their students. So uh, this week, uh, Brad, um, in the province of uh, Ontario, uh, they are focusing on mathematics and uh, they are banning the teaching of uh, certain elements of mathematics because of the subjective nature that's inherent to mathematics. And they're trying to teach a more um, unstructured uh, approach 
to math. They say mathematics is often positioned as objective and a pure discipline. It is not the content and context in which it is taught and the mathematic formulas which are celebrated and the importance that is placed upon mathematics are simply subjective. Uh, it's been used mathematics to normalize racism and the marginalization of non-Eurocentric mathematical knowledges and explains that taking a decolonial and anti-racist approach to teaching math will outline its historic roots, social constructions, and its inherent subjectivity. Um, so there you go, Brad. Uh, looks like Ontario is taking a little bit of a turn to the left. Uh, should mathematics truly be barred or banned? Or I, both? Buddy, I, I, I don't understand any of that. I mean, so two plus two might not be four in Ontario anymore? I mean, I it's clearly not. How is it possible that math, which I don't care what these lunatics say in Ontario, is a pure science, right? I mean, there is just, there, there are a few things that are, could possibly be more objective than math, right? Now, we're not talking about the application of math. We're not, you know, none of that. We're just talking about math itself, teaching kids to add, subtract, multiply, divide, you know, perhaps move on in math to do algebra, maybe calculus, whatever the case may be. There are a few things more objective than that. And yet it sounds to me like you said they somehow believe it's Eurocentric and has been used to subordinate people. Is that right? That's crazy. Well, that's what they said. That's nuts. Good luck. My advice is if you live anywhere near a school where this is going to be undertaken, move. Get away. To a place where they will teach you the skills necessary for you to succeed in life. Where do these yeah. people come from? Well, Canada. Well, that's it. So that's barred or banned. I think both of us think that the uh, people behind that should be barred, banned, and beaten, and math should continue to be taught in our schools. Uh, next, Brad, this is what we've all been waiting for, is uh, everyone out there knows uh, we are very uh, avid um, followers of the National Spelling Bee. They had a wonderful in-person spelling bee this year. All the kids, of course, wore, wore masks and were socially distant. Um, but after the bee got canceled last year, it's really good that it's back. And we've had a request from one of our uh, avid uh, followers, Marshall in uh, Palm Beach, uh, has asked that you and I, you and I, see if we can uh, spell some of the words that were in the final rounds of the 2021 National Spelling Bee. So in this case, you and I will both be taking five words chosen at random by our producer, alternating, right? Um, we will have to spell them, yeah, and use them in a sentence in order to be successful. And ties go to the runner. And as an example, um, if, uh, if, if the word were, say, dumbass, right, mm. uh, we would have to spell it, right, D-U-M-B-A-S-S. -S. Maybe there's a hyphen, maybe there's not, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And then you would have to use it in a sentence. So, for example, the guy who developed the Ontario math curriculum is a dumbass, or the uh, people that decided to take down the Sacagawea uh, statue, you know, they are dumbass, I mean, things like that. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to, uh, dumbass is within the realm of possibility for me. My guess is that I'm going to go 0 for 5 here. Well, look, we're going to find out. So we get Jared all fired up. He's been working with the boys in the back room and with uh, some of the people at the Scripps uh, Spelling Bee. Again, the rules are Brad and I have no knowledge whatsoever of these words. 
Uh, we have not um, looked at them. Uh, we do not uh, generally consider ourselves uh, um, very good with uh, spelling or no anything for that matter similar to that. But uh, at this point, Brad, I think as long as you understand the rules, I do. Okay. Um, do you want to? Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? And Jared, are you ready to start this? The big, uh, the big uh, production here. I have the sealed envelope. About to open it up with the words. Wow. To answer your initial question, I'm happy to go first. Okay, Brad. Yes. The word is ombudsman. Ombudsman. I actually think I have a shot at this one. I'm going to spell it O M. B-U-D-S-M-A-N. Is that right? Correct. But now he has to use it in a sentence for it to be. To use it in a sentence, ombudsman. Uh, Yeah, that's going to be tough. I have a complaint that I would like to present to the ombudsman. All right. So should we go to the, um, let's go to, who's keeping score of this? Are the judges, what do they say? The, the judges see over there in the corner. His spelling and his sentence. I'll be keeping score. So that is one for Brad. All right. Miracle. Well, let's let's go. Let's go. Okay. David, your word is crustaceans. Crustaceans. Like as in the lobster? That is correct. As in a lobster would be an example of a crustacean. C-R-U-S, T-A-C-E-A-N. I'll accept it. The word is crustaceans. Oh, for fuck. Then put an S at the end. Or it could be a Z. I'm not really sure. No, I, I think it's a crustacean. See, they're already, already. I'm surprised that you spelled that word correctly, buddy. I would not have been able to tell you if you were right or wrong on that. Well, I haven't got Good it right job. yet. I haven't got it right yet. I haven't used it in a sentence. Oh, okay. Well, I, my, I do tip my cap, however, at the fact that you were able to spell that word. I would probably not have been able to do that. But go ahead. Let's have it in a sentence. Marijuana smoke, when uh, applied to crustaceans, does not in any way take away the pain they feel when dumped into a pot of boiling water. Crustaceans. The judges agree. That is yeah, well, correct agree. usage and correct spelling. How about that? One Outstanding. One. It's almost Thanks like we're words. cheating. It's almost like we're cheating at this point. But I think it's going to get harder, Brad. Except we're not. Yeah. I know. I, I, yeah. So, all right. Round two. Here we go, Jared. What is my word? Brad, your word is aubergine. <laughs> What? Can you give him the definition? <laughs> <laughs> well, just just say Aubergine. the word again. Aubergine is a dark purplish color. Okay, well, that, but that you can't give him the definition because that. Would... <laughs> All right, wait. What we do? Uh, you know what? I'm going to spell this word. Aubergine. A u b e r g i n e. That's how I would have spelled it, by the way. That is correct. Is it really? <laughs> and, and now he's going to say, "My T-shirt is the color aubergine," and that's a but sentence. That's, but you know what? That's, but that's not true, because my T-shirt is actually gray, and I will try to use it in a sentence. If you kick Professor Christopher Pepin Neff in his useless nuts, his face is likely to turn aubergine. Oh, that's pretty good. All right, let's go. David, your word is ufology. Is what? (laughs) I like this word. I have no idea what it means or how to spell it, but that, it rolls off the tongue. E-U, ufology, E-U-P-H-O-O, ufology. 
hold on, I gotta write this down. Hold on. Can I can I write it down in front of me? Yeah, of course. All right. So now it's serious because you get that damn aubergine thing. So now I get it. And since I gave a definition to no, I don't need the definition. I don't need it. Uh, E-U-P-H-O-L-O-G-Y, ufology. That would have been my guess as well, buddy. Unfortunately, that's incorrect. What? For God's sakes. How do you spell it? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll give you de the definition. I don't need the definition. Why are you trying yeah. to give the definition? <laughs> It'll help you spell it. It'll help you spell it. You might be able to get half a point. I don't get half ufology a point. Ufology is the study of unidentified flying objects. Oh, well, for God's oh, sakes. Oh, yeah, see, now. Yeah. Well, wait a minute, then I should have got that definition. He got his. <laughs> I offered it. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> here's, right, well, here's, here's, here's the sentence. I just got fucked over by the word ufology. How about that? <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, that's half a point. That was That sentence was used, or that word was used accurately in Absolutely. that sentence, particularly given this context. All right, round three. What do you got two, for us, Joe? Two to one right now. Two to one. Brad, your word is perspicacious. <laughs> <laughs> perspicacious. 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 So I'm going to spell that P E R S P I C. Perspicacious. Perspicacious. I'm sorry, that is very close, but incorrect. Yeah, was, I'm not surprised. But he still gets to try to use it in a sentence, right? Yeah, they get to try to use it in a sentence. So, um, in addition to having his face turn aubergine when kicked in his useless nuts, Professor Christopher Pepin Neff becomes perspicacious and soaks the armpits of his shirt. That sounds good to me. Asking the judges, they are nodding. So what does it what does it mean? Having keen mental perception and understanding. Well, I think it's the exact opposite. Yeah, I nailed that. I obviously <laughs> nailed that. Yeah. How do you spell it? P-E-R-S-P-I-C-A-C-I-O-U-S. Ah, uh, yeah, I missed a whole uh, I missed a whole syllable in there. So now it's two and a half to one and a half, is that right? Two and a half. That's correct. Okay, well, what's my word? David, your word is charcuterie. Oh, you got this, bud. This is right up your alley. C-H-A-C-U-T-E-R-I-E. -E. Charcuterie. I'm sorry, but that is incorrect. Well, what, 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 is that not right? I'm definitely not cheating. I really like a good charcuterie board now and again. So that at least gets me to two, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's you, true, as a benefit of being true. I think you missed an R in there. C-H-A-R-C-U-T-E-R-I-E, charcuterie. Yeah, but you, yeah that, I think that's right, but you didn't say the R after the A in the first section there. Oh, forgot, but listen, I have it written, are we in video? I have it written down with the R. <laughs> oh. I'm willing to give it to you. No, I'm okay. willing to give I'm it to you. I'm not gonna take, I don't need charity. <laughs> All right, whatever. Can you take now a mulligan I feel, in this game? Can you take a mulligan? Can you drop a ball? I feel like the, the fix is in, but uh, yeah, that well, could be. Anyway, I do like a good charcuterie board. You do. So you're ahead by 0.5. 0.5. Right. We got two to go. Round four. Okay, Brad. Yes. The word is hermeneutics. <laughs> hermeneutics. Hermeneutics. H e r m e n 
H-E-R-M-E-N-E-U-T-I-C-S, hermeneutics. Brad, that is correct. Ah. Good Lord. Well, hold yeah, on that, that Hermeneutics is to me as charcuterie is to you. Like, I actually know what hermeneutics is. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Well, you, so, so you're going to use it. So you're going to go to 3.5. So to use hermeneutics in a sentence, I'm going to say that Dr. Christopher Pepin Neff's hermeneutic on the meaning behind a shark encountering a human is 100% wrong. I think we can accept that answer, yes. I think I've got a nosebleed at this point. Good Lord. <laughs> All right. Oh, he gets hermeneutics and I get stuck with charcuterie. Oh, all right. I pretty much have to make this one to stay in it. So you can sure. do it. You can see what it is. Maybe it's rooster. Is it possible to be like rooster or something? David, your word is capsaicin. What? I also know what that is, but I don't capsaicin. think I can spell it. I've never heard this word before. Unlike you might have experienced it. Capsaicin. Capsaicin. C A P Capsaicin. C A P S A E S I N. Capsaicin. Unfortunately, that's not correct. Oh, for God's sakes! <laughs> what, how do you spell it? It is C A P S A I C I N. That's not how you said it. All right. Well, I. I, I I only had two letters wrong, so is that is there something to do with that? Okay, um, so you've got it for me to win, right? Yeah. Which again is like during the inside stir at this point. You've got to blow the spelling and the um, uh, and the uh, use of the, the sentence of the next word, which you haven't done yet. No, but yeah, listen, there's a high probability it's going to happen now. This Let's is round see. five. These are the big words. These are the big ones. I've I missed yeah. the last two, so I think or three. I've got like in front of me written down charcuterie, hermeneutics, and capsaicin. So, <laughs> cross all that shit out. All right. When an archaeologist finds that a thousand years from now, they're going to be very confused. Hey, listen, at least people know we're honest at this point. That's true. Yeah, we are not cheating at this. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's go. Brad, your word is boutonniere. Oh, I'm oh for God's on. sakes. There's no way. Boot, boutonniere. Obviously, I know what that is. Uh, but I have no idea how to spell it. Boot, booten ear. B-O-U-T. Here's the, is it an I or an E? B-O-U-T-I-N-I-E-R-E. Unfortunately, that is not correct. Ah, damn it. Was I, was it the I-E thing? It, it was a few things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. Uh, yeah. so how does one spell the word? Boutonniere. B-O-U. Yeah, I had that right. N-N-I-E-R-E. Oh, so there's a lot of N's in there and a couple of O's. Yeah, I didn't I, I didn't do well on that. Uh, should the winner of this spelling contest receive as part of his prize a boutonniere for his lapel, I am unlikely to get it. Uh, there's my sentence. He just nailed it, too. Good Lord. So he's at four, but maybe, maybe I'll get a bonus question or something. Yeah. Hopefully not, actually, at this point. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Let's see if I can let's see if I can get at least within half a point here. David, your word is discomfiture. Oh, you got it, buddy. You can spell this. Is what? 
Discomfiture. Dis discomfiture. You got it. Discomfiture. All right. Let's see. D-I-S-C-O-M-F-I-T-U-R-E. That's it. That is correct. All right. Ooh. Perfect. 3.5. All right. Do I, do I have a definition? What's the definition? Discomfiture is the state of being disconcerted or confusion or embarrassment. I'm in a state of discomfiture now that I've lost the spelling bee. Boom, full credit. How about that? 3.5. Well, that's this was a good exercise. I, I, you know what? I like this. And I'm confident that, uh, you know, what, what really moved this segment forward was the snappy music that underlaid it the entire time. Great snappy music. And I will say that if the judges accepted my charcuterie writing as opposed to what I said, and again, I've protected it here, then it would be a tie. And maybe next week we could do spelling of World Wrestling Federation um, wrestling names. Well, there you go. Orndorf, O-R-N-D-O-R-F, Orndorf. Paul Orndorf was a great wrestler. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> One solid point, right oh, there. Oh Lord! Well, there it is. I mean, this is this has been one for the ages. Congratulations, my friend! You'll be receiving a uh, IP frequently T-shirt and a boutonniere. Ah, fantastic! I will pin it to said T-shirt and wear it proudly. I do thank you for coming up with this idea. It was a good one. Our studio audience was literally on the edge of their seats, wrapped eyes bugging out of their head as we attempted to spell these nearly impossible words and then use them in a sentence. But that's the kind of thing you get and why we recommend you listen to IP frequently. And we'll be back next week with another humdinger of an episode. H-U-M-D-I-N-G-E-R. This humdinger. has been IP frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.